Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Yes, I'm back from the mystery of the warp. I'm glad to have you back. Appreciate the, the long trip you made today for travel purposes. But yes, he'll be giving a full rundown of his experience at the uh, Rocky Mountain Open. So excited to hear about that. One of the newest events on the Frontline Gaming Circuit. We're going to talk a little bit about some new models that came out as well as review two other large tournaments. Fan favorite Mid-Table Obscurity and of course the ITC uh, Top 10 at the end of the show. So let's get into it. Um, obviously, the product of a leak, so it kind of flushed uh, GW's hand a little bit. But uh, Captain Tycho has crossed the Rubicon Primaris. Really, really, Captain Tycho too? Because I thought it was just. Oh, I'm sorry. What was I thinking? I'm, I'm not. I hate Blood Angels. I just cannot stand them. So <laughs> I was about to say, like, sir, sir, put put your vengeance aside, because yes, sure. Dark will come funky on the head. It's always one of those. This is an example why, you know, why I hate Blood Angels. What's wrong with Blood Angels? It's always like they come out with the base game and then they go, okay, but Blood Angels have to be the ultimate close combat. So whatever's out there, they make it always a little bit better. And it's always like, well, if you made them as good as Corn Berserkers, they'd be a reasonable matchup. But they always give them that extra edge. And it just drove me nuts. Uh, even in like, Sixth edition, they had this bonker thing where if you took three storm ravens, if you deep struck within eight inch or twelve inches of any of any two of those storm ravens, no scattering, which was like, are you kidding me right now? You can pinpoint drop sanguinary guard. Yeah, thanks, appreciate that. Oh, you also got two storm ravens to back you up with tons of firepower. Okay, yeah, thanks. Needed that, and it was in a white dwarf exclusive. So I hope you bought that issue. Anyway, uh, which which one of their thousand and one characters made crossed over? It's getting an extra wound. Well, it was Dante and thank you. Sorry. The, <laughs> the 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 fun bit about the way Dante was found is everybody thought it was a joke because some person, some random schmo, apparently ordered Dante and expected to get the little tiny fine cast one and ended up getting the brand new Dante on accident. Okay, that's hilarious. Because <laughs> here I'm thinking like, oh, another leak. Some playtester is going to get... No, no, no. <laughs> Somebody at the factory hit the wrong box. <laughs> yep, it was It was really, really funny because it was just... You can't say, hey, you cheated, you stole it. It's No, the guy <laughs> literally got it in the mail and he was just, uh, what? I would love to be the... Uh... Fly on the wall at the board meeting on Monday when that happened. Uh, we, we have a situation here. It's just like, well, how did this happen? <laughs> Our NDAs are locked solid, yeah, but not to people when we ship them product. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's a thing. Yeah. So also making the rounds now. So now that there's a Dante out there, there's a uh, bizarre Tyranid warrior going out there. Uh, I'll be flat out. It looks like a conversion, or maybe not even a conversion, like a photoshopped uh, Osiric Bone Reaper with a with a Tyranid head. Yeah, that's. I remember. I know you, me, and Ray had chatted about it a little bit, and because of the the Tyranid carapace stacks that come off the back it covered up the spikes on the shoulders so i was thoroughly convinced that it was like a new tyranid hunter or something but i'm like that's a really good conversion though it actually fits yeah i was kind of looking at it and the funny part that's around that same time i was looking at the osiric bone reapers as potential like exodite uh, conversion bits for Eldar. I was like, oh, that's another way to do it. Hey, look at that. <laughs> so just trying to come up with a few ideas there. So yeah, pretty neat. A uh, lot of boarding action uh, boxes going up for pre-order. Uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, don't sleep on those. There's some good value in those. Even if you're just buying them for cheap 40k models, there's, there's some good stuff in those boxes. Yeah, like I have um, from LVO, I have the Into the Dark box, so I have all those crude. And I also have the Imperial Navy people, which, okay, I'm never going to use the actual Navy. So I could probably use them as, um, like, Voidsman at Arms or something like that if I 
went back to playing my custodes because yeah it's a free 40 points that i can use for actions and holding a button yep absolutely so they're pretty cool i do like those models but, uh, the crew ones i think you probably get a lot of mileage out of what i try to remember because i know the pathfinders Although they got all the gadgetry for Kill Team, got like no new rules in 40k if you use those models. I'm wondering, did the, I don't think the crew did either. You know, they have all these specialized crew. There's no mm-hmm. like corresponding 40k rules for all their stuff, which I know they just came out with a Drakari Cabalite Warrior Kill Team. I was like, there's some new characters in there. I'm like, ooh, are we getting some new weapon options? And I'm like, doesn't look like it. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens. But I definitely want that Corsair box because I have at least 20 Corsairs already in my army that are all put together with scraps and bits and whatnot. And I was all happy with them until Robert pointed out that I put them on the wrong base. So, <laughs> <laughs> Always helping keep you honest, Eric. I'd rather now, but till, could you imagine? Like I'm in like round six of a GT and you know, top table and some guy on streams like, are those the right size bases? <laughs> I <have to> forfeit. <laughs> that suck. Like, oops. <laughs> yeah, that would really suck. So no, I'm excited to pick up that because uh, the yeah the Osuriani box comes with I think 20 Corsairs, which is basically two boxes, and uh, I think Banshees and I think Jane Czar. So like the only thing I really don't need is a second Jane Czar, but you can easily convert that into a succubus or something. Um, yeah, something the, the hall. Yeah, the tallest succubus in the game. Well, I mean, my, my, my converted one with their, like, 8-inch uh, long whip is so ridiculous anyway, so I just don't care. So, <laughs> I, I'm a pro at modeling for disadvantage, so. that That's a fair point. <laughs> I can't complain. The I, Ben got a lot of, so my Night Just creator, Ben, got a lot of oohs and ahs up at Rocky Mountain, and there was several games where my opponent looked panicked as I was trying to fit Ben around the corner of a building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it got it in there when Peace thinks the the aircraft, you know, the travel. So, <laughs> yeah, he got there to and from in one piece. Um, some of my war dogs didn't. Uh, one of them literally broke his ankles. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Like the, where the ball joint glues into the actual foot. Apparently, the the glue didn't touch all of the plastic to mold it together. So there's air pockets, and it just through stress of picking him up and the magnets pulling him back down, it just kind of nice clean pop of his ankles off of his own feet. Ooh, that's not good. Kind of I mean, reminds me of the old towel models. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was an easy enough fix. Just super glue his feet back together. But Right. But um, So this week, we've got uh, Depticon Preview. I'm a little shocked. Um, I think a lot of people are anticipating that the video montage of the Tyranid with the, and you get this super close-up of his eyeball there, you see a Terminator. Clearly, it's got to be just a re-release of Space Hulk, right? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? I, mean, I say that kind of half-joking, actually well, three-quarters joking, but I'm probably still stuck on, are you really going to announce the new edition two months in advance? That seems really far advance. So Well, I mean... How long? How much hype did they build up for ninth edition until it came out? I think it was like almost a solid six months. I see. Maybe you know, in my age, you know, memory is fading fast here. But I want to say it was a daily barrage, but it was only for four weeks. Fair. I do remember it was like, and they came out with the video at James Workshop, and he kind of gave like the kind of the quick version, and then every bullet point he said got its own. Um, basically review or story or article, whatever you want to call it, Warcom for mm-hmm. like, and it's, and I, cause I remember it was like, wow, there's actually Warcom articles on the weekend now. Oh my gosh. What's, what's going on here. So I, that I kind of remember, uh, but cause I, so I'm just afraid cause this is what X-Wing did. They announced their new edition complete with, by the way, your current rules will be invalidated. You'll, you'll get a you know, kind of an index type thing to get you by until all the upgrades come out. And the game just died until the new edition came out. I just mm-hmm. hope that isn't the case here. Yeah. I I am holding with bated breath that it's going to not be a crap show of a of a rules 
run out because mm. obviously we have the leaks that are that you and Ray talked about where it's some of them are seeming pretty okay some of them are seeming a little out there and yeah that's that's the issue because everyone wants 10th edition to come out already so that way they can start complaining about 10th edition <laughs> exactly i'm bored with complaining about old stuff i need to complain about new stuff uh, yeah there's so some of the rules things i'm kind of like all right i think this might be uh getting used to a little bit i kind of talked about it this is very strange in that a lot of the rules that they're quoting is very similar to Star, uh, starship troopers the the board game the model game i should say as i'll call the board game which is ironic because that was written by andy chambers who used to work at games workshop that was his first major project when he left uh gw and it was interesting how he in an interview kind of gave like a backhanded compliment to, well you know the weapons in the far future uh don't rely on the toughness of the creature or something like that because they basically bypass toughness rules and they all have these like little keywords and the like piercing and stuff like to the right show that they would go through armor and stuff like that so i have that chance i'm going to kind of dig up my old rule book and see if i can still find it the flip side though let's be honest starship troopers had three factions really two and a half because the third one never came out behind the game got uh, put out of business before the third faction really came out. So, I mean, just doing the mid-table obscurity, how many flipping factions, how many codices do we have in 40k at this point? So, I'd be curious to see how it all kind of rolls out. If it does roll off the tongue, a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in... So, this weekend, I actually, this is actually going to be relevant for how new rules might feel to people. While I was at my event this weekend, I got to demo a new game that has already come out in another country and is going to be coming out here in about three months. And the rules of the game are very straightforward. The cards are self-explanatory. There's not a lot of commas or anything else. Like It's not very wordy. It is straight and to the point. It was refreshing to go through simple rules. That is the only thing that I'm going to hope for in 10th edition is that they find a way to make the word the rules less wordy yeah that's a big hope um i kind of think i touched on it previously i'll just say it again you know 80 of my rules uh judgments at our last gt there or actually we were major involved me reading the rule back to the player and they go oh it does say that i'm like looking i'm like you didn't read it before you flagged me over here <laughs> and it's but it was just one of those things where like yeah, you got there's like three or four bullet points for every rule. Did you read all every bullet point before you got there? And most people didn't. So that part is a little, you know, it's amazing how many people say, GW writes bad rules. But I was like, well, how do you know? You didn't read them. <laughs> it is called the reading. Yeah. The reading's hard. But, um, yeah, uh, the other thing that it was kind of, I don't know if you saw it in our group chat, uh, Robert, uh, the hints they're dropping about army construction and that it's much more theme-based It was very, I don't know, it got a mixed review within our group. And I kind of took a stab at it, and I was like, is this what they're trying to do? Which reminds me a lot of 6th edition and also reminds me a lot of the old epic rules. Because you had to buy your units in uh, in detachments, you didn't you didn't really build an army. You built by individual units. You bought a whole detachment. So, for example, if you play White Scars, you will be buying bikes. Mm-hmm. That's the army. Whether you so oh, bikes are good because <laughs> the idea of running an all infantry White Scars, which was very popular a few, uh, a few years ago. Wouldn't be possible under these new rules, allegedly. So I was like, oh, oh no. Yeah. I had kind of zoned out from 40k for the weekend. But the effect, if armies are being built more off of theme, then there's going to be an odd break between what makes a competitive army versus what makes a narrative army. And where does that line cross? Because of the fact that the... Potent, because with the the one rumor of them going, oh, here's competitive play, 
and here's narrative play. There is no longer an open play option. It is either A or B. Where is that line? Because if the narrative and the competitive stuff ends up being the same, then how do you differentiate the two ways to play? Because people that are going to play narrative are going to get all grumpy in the fact that, oh man, I got beat by Imperial Fists with their Bolter Spam because da 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 da. And it's like, that's, that's all well and good, but you're also playing Ultramarines. <laughs> yeah. You, you try to do everything, whereas the Imperial Fist player goes, ha ha, I know I do one thing and I do it really, 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 really good. Yeah. And that was something, as I was reading through the leak, that was kind of confusing. Are you talking about narrative play or are you talking about competitive play? Now, the one thing they're very specific about when it came to competitive play is it seems like you'll be pulling from a, a smaller pool of data slates, which sounds a lot like magic. You know, that this is the competitive decks that you're allowed to use at our events. And to some players, great. You know, I kind of I kind of welcomed it because I'm like, well, like, hey, there's fewer models to balance. So yeah, you still have your metal unit, you know, metal uh, tyrannic war veterans. You know, okay, or some crazy other unit that has been used in 15 years. And like, oh, oh there's an oversight in the rule. Guess it's an exception. And so the most common, most powerful thing on the planet. And that's not going to happen. But other people are supposed to be like, I want all my toys and I want to play with them. And I'm like, uh, okay, whatever. Like, it's one of those things that if I were, like, yes, I'm building world eaters. My idea of world eaters is I wanted to play Angron. Well, Angron is a super thematic piece. He is also really, really strong competitively unless, you know, he gets seen by two roll gold orns and you don't roll, roll single four up to save him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's dead. Mm. But that's, I think, between... I think World Eaters, as much as it is kind of odd to say, is actually a nice show of where the the line between competitive and narrative starts to blur a lot. Because you can have super thematic World Eaters armies where it's just a whole bunch of Berserkers and Rhinos and Angron. Or you can do the optimized lists where it's like a good amount of Jackals, 8-bound... Berserkers, maybe Angron, Invocatus, like, but it's hard to differentiate that sometimes. I would say that that's a bad thing, though. You know, where, where I get stuck on is the I got this great idea, and I think if I use this particular sub faction, which which may or may not be in the new rules, this will be great. Well, your sub faction doesn't do that you know, thematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, okay. Um, so, for example, I, I think I brought up you're playing I ended. But you, you you're going for some somehow you figure out that Iandin with Guardian Spam is the way to go. You know that's not very thematic. Sorry, I won't be able to play that. And it's like ooh, that that's a, that doesn't feel right. So I don't know. We'll have to wait till the rules come out. I'm not that upset about it yet. Um, curious to see what they have to announce and uh, what else we're going to really get. So yeah, like there's oh, excuse me the ah, god dang it. <laughs> You're right there. Yeah, I just <laughs> okay. need, I need water. Um, That's right. The other option I was thinking was interesting. A lot of people complain that Arcs of Omen is nothing more than playtesting for 10th edition. First of all, I thought it was hilarious because uh got news for you. The, the 10th edition rulebook is already at the printer. Um, number two, okay. I am curious to see one of the themes that we've been seeing in the leak is War Gear is built into the data slate. That what's in the box is what you put on the table. So the, the days of yore where you're like, I need 11 plasma pistols or uh, for my Harlequins, or mm-hmm. I need, uh, I look at my old Chaos Army and laugh because it's got 15 plasma guns in it. You can't do 15 plasma guns in three units anymore. Yeah, the like the custodes, because of the fact that the normal custodian guard can be built with either a spear or a sword and board means, oh, your normal custodian guard can only come with those things if you're not including the forge world upgrades. But they look almost exactly similar to wardens who can take axes or spears or sword and board, I believe. So if you were to pay points for custodian guard, why not just pay the five extra points and take wardens and literally take whatever weapon you want and have models that look almost exactly right. And then there's other models out there, like uh, like I look at my Wraith Guard, and people ask, should you give him a, 
the, the flamethrower or the regular cannon. And I'm like, I don't know what my bit is bit. I just make sure it's consistent on my list and I use it for each game. <laughs> since this, mm-hmm. then, I have no idea. Um, you know, my Drakari, what the Lance versus the Disruptor? I, I, I'm disintegrator. I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> One's got a longer barrel and the other one doesn't. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, I have no idea. So. <laughs> but um, anyway, we'd be really curious to see what what it finally, if it does come out, what other announcements they make. If they mainly come out with bottles and then they come out with a, an announcement on 10th edition at another time. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. It just seems really odd to have an announcement on March 20-something. And then the game doesn't come out until June twenty something. I was like, "Wow, that's a long lead up time." But okay, maybe, yeah, maybe it'll be something like a a date release, and then in the next month they'll reveal that whether or not it's going to be continued codex or the big scary boogeyman is going to come by again and give us all indexes. Hmm. Actually, I wouldn't mind that because that's one thing I really do like about the World Eaters Codex. It's very manageable. Yeah, there's not a lot of fluff there. It is meat and potatoes. Yeah, but like I said, it feels like the Codex. It's not CSN 2.0. It is definitely its own book. It covers all the bases. I think the one thing I was complaining about is I was hoping for like a a cannon type thing just to give it some long range shooting, but it doesn't. It didn't happen. But um, yeah, went, the, eh, Helbert's good enough. Yeah. And, um, but, or, you know, Defiler, I guess, if you're playing the Disciples of the Red Angel, I think it's called. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the smaller array of stratagems and other, all the others add out rules, it, it feels good. It feels pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I am very happy with how Chaos Knights feel. Me walking around with my big dread bubbles and everything else is very thematic. And I, I like doing that. There are some playing competitively issues that I don't like. Like, um, <clears throat> let me walk through building. I'm a big robot. I should be able to kick down the side of a building. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, you did something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> if you took mortal wounds for doing so, it'd be like, yeah, I'm a knight. I got 28 wounds. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a diff- That's something that I could go on for a while, and I'm not gonna rock that boat because that would constitute then why you even have terrain on the table anyway right are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them if either of these is true contact white crow studios and get your models painted by a college trained professional painter you can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon summon a space bug who knows either way it's going to be a very very wonderful time and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll perils of the warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play indeed so if you're looking for fanciful drinks go ahead and grab the lovecraft cocktails by the madmen at reddukegames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament and just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out they're sturdy the boxes help protect your models and if you when you order they come fast 
the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com, and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. Let's rock that boat. Well, how did your weekend go uh, with uh, Rocky Mountain? Um, well, I am slightly disappointed in myself. I only went two and four. The overall event itself was definitely a solid six out of ten. Interesting. Okay. It's definitely more of a the venue. It was my first time playing anywhere really on a on a fairground, so having to drive there wasn't such a big deal, except for potentially getting lost. That was. <laughs> that was definitely a little weird. Mm-hmm. The, um, How far from was it from the hotel? Uh, from the hotel that me and my girlfriend stayed at, it was like twenty minute drive. Okay. Was there a like specific hotel they wanted you to stay at, or did you guys find whatever was closest? Um, it was very much just like uh, find one, make it work. Okay. Um, my I will just touch on this right now. My favorite game of the weekend. It, it's a split between my round four and my round one. In round one, I had to play into guard. Oh. I got to go first. My big guy deleted a Rogel Dorn. <laughs> Made me really happy. He then proceeded to die to a Rogel Dorn. Because <laughs> <laughs> my opponent was running two of it. Uh, Marcus Tanner, my, my first round opponent, really great guy. I actually did the impossible. You're not going to believe this, Eric. I actually got Lord, I actually got Lord Solar into close combat. I made him roll an armor save. Oh my goodness! With it, with one of my war dogs, it was great. <laughs> uh, I did no damage to him though, and mm. he just walked away. So I was like, "Well, that sucked." And and then round four, I played into Votan. I won that game by three points because I finally got a turn to grind them down. Because it was, oh hey, I killed that thing. I killed this thing. Oh, you killed those two war dogs. Okay, we're going to try this again. <laughs> <laughs> so, the it was nice of FLG to have food trucks there and actually have them be physically present and easy for people to get to. Some of the food was better than others. Like, the, the rice bowls they had were, were nice and consistent. They also sold grilled cheeses. You can't exactly go wrong with grilled cheese unless you light it on fire. The, the actual truck that had protein on it, like hot dogs and other stuff... I'm not sure how many people had to deal with the side effects of that truck, but uh oh. Um yeah, from chatting with my chatting with my girlfriend, she saw a couple of people running from their tables in the middle of round 2 mm-hmm. to go do business. Well, that is unfortunate. So, oh. Again, I don't blame FLG for that. There's no way because right. other a whole bunch of other people ate that truck and as far as I know, they were fun. so yeah, it's definitely an event that, as a potential destination, I'm going to consider going again, given that 10th edition doesn't decide to ruin all of the armies that I have. And if I can travel there with a, a few more people, because Ben Jurek actually made it there, he had a, he had a stellar performance of going 5-1, and one, and he, he sadly ended up down in 11th because of how they were doing scoring. Like, it was opponent win percentage or something like that so not not just battle points so if they were doing just battle points he would have finished in third interesting opponent win percentage okay so they basically you're basically the win you take the average of the your other six opponents and what their win percentage is that becomes your score something like that i don't know the math like when we look at ben's his opponent's game win percentage was 60 61 percent whereas if we look at the person who won the event, Michael Mann, his opponent win weight was 75%. So he played against some really hard people. And once you get to someone like, I would say like Russell Tassin is a better example. He got 14, but his win percent was only 57%. So it's, I'm not sure how they do the the math and how it plays your win rate. Right. But mm, Interesting. Okay. Curious why they're toying with that system still, because I thought I thought wind path was kind of what we all agreed on would be the most fair. But I don't know. I don't write the rules. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. All right, their event. Have fun with it. How was you know, how was the spacing between tables? How was the oh, the, 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 the spacing was actually really nice. 
Like they still had the issue of if you were in the middle table, you had a really bad day because <laughs> they had tables. They had like three tables slapped next to each other, kind of thing, mm-hmm. to accommodate for space. But there was plenty of room between you and the row that was behind you. So sorry, Don. No butt bumping. Yeah, I know Don likes butt bumping. Yeah, not a fan. The and the venue actually did stay incredibly warm. The to give you an idea, me and the girlfriend we left the hotel. One morning, it was 29 degrees outside. It was really, really freaking cold that the room at the venue, I would say, stayed like a solid like 75 or 76 degrees. Nice. Yeah, us folks from Arizona don't know what it's like when it gets below 40, so we're just not prepared for it. We don't know what frozen water... <laughs> sure we do. It's called a margarita. But... Uh... <laughs> I thought it was a slushy. Yeah, that too. So lots of space, and then if I understand, they kind of retired some of the... Uh, problematic frontline gaming terrain, so it was mostly the new stuff, so that must have been nice. The terrain sets I saw there, they had the they had their chaos table, they had they still had some field bases, they still had some orc terrain. I don't think I saw any... Well, no, no, there was gothic terrain, the, the real big building, and... So I don't think there was any sets with like the manufacturing buildings and then the big open hangar. Um, I didn't see any of like the old Gothic set, so the, the green one. Okay. Where it was like the the GWLs stuck to bases, and they had quite a few tables of the sisters terrain that they have yet to let people buy. That's a pretty good. So what I'm not hearing though is that the Necron table, but yep, you did no see Necron that. Tables. And but it's interesting they brought the field one. Okay, interesting. Unfortunately, no orc tables. I like that terrain. Uh, no, I think there was still a few orc tables. I'm not sure. I didn't get to play on too many. I played mostly on the on chaos tables and the gothic runes with the big big L's. All right, well, let's get into your games then. So how to how to get to two and four, and what's the story behind it? All right, well. We're going to once again start with my wonderful first opponent, Marcus. That one was actually a good grind fest. It actually felt like a game. He ended up beating me 97 to 76, I think was the final score. Hmm. Okay. And he, the problem that I had was we had the big gothic terrain. And he could hide all of his mortar units and all of his caxterkin and whatnot off the table. Well, on the table behind my entire army. But basically, if he popped out anything, I looked at it funny and it went away. <laughs> except for one Lehman, except for one Rogaldorn. I had I popped one on turn one with my with Ben. And then the second one I got down to two wounds. Wow. And I couldn't do anything about it for like three turns. But man, Vanquisher Cannon and Lehman Russes are a pain in the butt because they just ignore invulns. Oh, okay. That's the the tower railgun wannabe. Okay. Yeah. He got real good about leaving my war dogs with one wound <laughs> with that specific Lehman Russ. Mm. But no, that game was, was nice. It was a actual back and forth game. And I would willingly play into that game again because if he did one thing wrong, I won that game. So it's good to keep a tight game like that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to catch his caster, one of his casterkin units out in the open before he got to throw it somewhere. And I put it down to two guys. Yeah, that's definitely a unit you want to deal with. Yep. But that's really it about round, round one. That game was nice and tight. Um, in round two, though, I played into Black Legion. And I deployed badly for that one. Hmm. Not not so much my actual army, but my terrain. Because we were on the, the field base set. And he won the roll off. He chose to be defender. And I... So he had to move the centerpiece diagonally following the deployment zones. Okay. And that instantly made me go, alright, cool. He's Black Legion. He has Terminators. L- let's... Let's wait. <laughs> so I put my L facing towards him instead of facing away from him, so it accidentally shoved me forward. So if I had deployed it the other way, I would have had an extra turn of letting his Terminators walk forward. Because I killed seven of them. Oh my. Before, yeah, through hitting on fours, no rerolls, and minus one to it. But I had my... I had 
been primed to blow up his demon prince because if I blow up the demon prince, then I get to chip away at Abaddon and feed a war dog to Abaddon until he's dead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that didn't happen because I got too close to him. So the demon prince and Abaddon got to come say hi and hug me for a 95 to 63 loss. Is it consistent though? I mean, you're in that 65, 60 to 70 point range, which is still pretty, pretty solid. So, oh, 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 just wait, just wait. It's going to get worse. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, in round three, I had my first win of the event. It was myself against Michael Hunter with Death Watch. I'm now realizing that for some reason, Rocky Mountain Open doesn't have me listed with a faction. That's an- anyway. Oops. And I'll put it in. But anyway, that one we got Data Scry Salvage, and I got to go first. I was touching five objectives on at the end of turn one. So he he couldn't do much with only two Redemptors and a, a land speeder. I think he, he ended up popping both of my carnivores, but then I literally just picked them apart. Hmm. My Desecrator popped a Redemptor, my Wardogs popped his Speeder, and then everything else started chewing away at the Marines that he had on the table. He he almost pulled it back, though, when he brought in his Aggressors uh, back on my home objective, which forced me mm-hmm. to put someone back there. But being only two damage Power Fists, I kept that Wardog alive going, ah, oh, okay, <laughs> minus one damage over there. So that one, I ended up winning 87 to 50. Wow. He was a really nice, yeah, he was a really nice guy. He was really tired though, so I feel bad for for him because he had to put up with someone who used to playing long term games with a whole like I make it to turn five with orcs, <laughs> kind of right. long game. So then we go into round four, which was the closest game I had all weekend against against Jeff Henderson, Yamir Votan. I got to go first again, Eric. You will one day know the feeling of destroying a land fortress on turn one. I cannot wait. Through a four of Invuln, blanking a damage. Um, he admitted that after starting to, after deploying the land fortress, he should have put it on the other side of his building because we were on the sisters' terrain. So he put his big L in front of his home objective on abandoned sanctuaries, and that game came down to if I was able to score grind or not. Otherwise, he tied me. So you had to kill that extra unit. So, well, on turn four. I had killed, well, on turn five, I had killed two things, and he was going for a lay claim play with his call and a pioneer unit that I had left alive. And hmm. he hadn't done the site to site yet on his call, or the site to site teleport. Okay. My base was positioned just far enough back that outside of nine inches left him off of the lay claim object on either end because i put all three of them basically in a row within the (laughs) spacing requirements and he just went yeah no i can't land on any of those except for my pioneer interesting and then i tried to have him take some mortal wounds from my ravenous terror sage strat i think i ended up killing the pioneer and i also well no i didn't end up killing the pioneer but i killed the last berserker of his two squads to secure the grind for the for the three points. Sweet. Yep, that was an eighty-eight to eighty-five. And then we proceed to have my head buried in the sand on round five, where I got paired into Gene Stealer Colt. I lost forty-five to ninety-seven. Wow. Yeah, this guy took um, battlefield data, so he could only get a ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. So, so he got a perfect score against me. I think we were talking pre and this was one of the games where they changed the player place terrain pack uh, rules. The packing mm-hmm. uh, had a five saw an effect of those rules. So this one we were playing on the chaos terrain. So that one comes with three buildings, a set of crates, and a forest. Well, they changed it so that way crates and the forests could be set up on the table within three inches of the edge but outside of four of everything else just so that way they could make sure all the terrain got used because people didn't understand people were having trouble understanding that you could shove terrain around mm-hmm. to have it all fit well what i did was after I, yeah he won the defender roll off he set up the first piece i instinctually set up a piece over on another corner to block him from having complete impunity and then set it up on the other corner 
because I was no longer worried about putting something in the middle because he took. So I went one, two, and then I took my two crates. I put them as a single level and I asked him for one of his models. So this is where a lot of people had issues because you could be within three inches. I literally took his model and gently scooted it until its base could not fit on the table. Mm. That's about right. Okay. And I left my crates as an L right in the corner of my deployment. So that entire L, he could not fit a model. Hmm. Which, yes, it was me taking advantage of the terrain placement. So that way I had more space to deploy my knights. So that way I wasn't all jammed into a corner behind a building. Because I knew he was going to crowd me anyway. But it basically made it so that way he couldn't... He had a very... He he cut he lost a chunk of space that he could deep strike in from with all of his Gene Sealer Colt stuff. And it's interesting because you hear that more with uh, Guard. I guess they have a, a you know the banner or a Warlord's they have like an Osbeck span type thing where they mm-hmm. nobody comes in within twelve. And I didn't realize Knights had something like that as well. That's kind of neat. No, no, um, Knights don't have that at all. Oh, they don't. They don't. So you just this is plain old move blocking that you're doing then. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm literally just big and I exist. Okay. Um, but against Gene Steeler Colt, it didn't really matter because he can drop his entire. Because he was doing like a custom brew, he he could arrive with like his entire army could arrive within, like out, arrive outside of eight inches and still charge. Some units could arrive, um, out, like one unit could arrive outside of six and potentially still charge. One of his guys could arrive just outside of three but not charge. Like there was a lot of stuff where I just couldn't screen him out enough. Right. Reasonably. And Ben was useless that game because he brought something like 60 bikes and a whole bunch of neophytes. Ben kills three models a turn. That's it. Yeah, it's it's always one of the problems. Does Ben have a sweep attack option? Yeah, and they're all AP3 and they're all two damage, but it's one of those things that I have to get there first. And he's pelting him with strength four, five, seven, eight damage shots and it's all hitting on fours with potentially plus one to hit plus one to wound like all this other stuff where it's just like i can't do anything about it i'm i'm toughness eight with a three up save um ben could get cobbled over with some really strong rolls but nah it it wasn't a bad game and my opponent patrick even admitted that i didn't do anything wrong he just has a lot of reps into chaos knights specifically Mm -hmm. with gene stealer cold so he he already had a built-in game plan on how to deal with me because he he made some really long charges and tagged like one or two war dogs every single charge. Hmm. Not so that there was really a way out of this one. So, oh, well. no. I mean, it wasn't the worst game I had all weekend. That's next round. Right. Oh, there we go. Tell us about that. Um, I would rather not because I only scored three points uh. and, and then the 10 points. For- oh. Yeah, I lost 100 to 13. What was he playing? So he was playing Adeptus Custodes, but he was he did have a allied detachment of three Helverins. Mm -hmm. So he had three auto cannons running around, along with nine bikes, a bike captain, a couple of wardens, um, a couple of Venatari. The guy's list was kitted to kill my army, and I got and I was forced to go second. That's not good. Okay. And there was and there was one line that I didn't get a beat on. So on his his first shooting phase, he hits my carnivore five times, wounds it five times. I fail four saves. My carnivore my my pink carnivore went. Hmm. And then he proceeded to put the ex, the executioner that was behind it with the second armager. Down to three wounds. So you're losing models quick at this point. Oh, I I had already written off this game because he won defender. He got to go first, and we were playing on the sister's terrain. He put the giant cathedral, which is about the same size as the Gothic ruins building, right in the middle of the table on the scouring. I literally got to do nothing to his army because of the fact that he could walk into buildings and hide and stage against me two turns. It took him a turn and a half to beat me. Mm. Yeah. Because I instinctually put... I took Ben off the table because oh, Ben can be seen all the time. Your bikes can always literally shoot him for free. Right. So I'm going to have him off the table. He wasn't... My opponent, um, Tom, was not a bad guy. It was just 
the writing was on the wall with this matchup because he had really hot rolls from the start of the game. And he could tell that I was annoyed. But I was like, no, it's not you. I play custodes. I've played custodes so much. I have done this to people. Right. <laughs> I have played knights. It is not a good feeling when I literally look at my opponent and go, I'm sorry, you only scored 24 points. <laughs> because I literally blew up your entire army on turn two. So look so, back on this. Yeah. So the, the terrain thing kind of was a deal break uh did it have an effect on the game or was it just kind of uh oh no it was the thing that sealed the deal on the game because his entire foot the sisters cathedral is easily like 12 to 16 inches long like this piece is huge wow and it has windows on the second floor but it's a really tall second floor so all of his foot troops literally walked into the building stood there. His bikes flew up behind the building, didn't touch it. I would have had to come onto his half of the table in order to see the bikes, basically. Yeah, it was just a foregone okay. conclusion of that game, and I, yeah. I'm i not upset about it. Yeah, I'm just kinda, that's one of the things when we did a few practice games on the FLG um, table, I played another player's see with uh, Chaos Knights as well, and it seemed pretty easy to move block them. And I'm just wondering what an army like GSC, you got a ton of throwaway models that could be anywhere on the table. Oh, yeah. No, it's legitimately my army. If I'm playing something like an Iconoclast household where it's all melee, mm -hmm. okay, move blocking me is a smart thing to do because I can't get everything into combat. Whereas the version I'm playing right now is extremely shooty. So I want to be away from you. So if I want to go somewhere, I'm going to go, all right, my first guy is going to walk right in front of it and everyone that's behind him is going to shoot there first so that way he can walk over there freely next turn it's that it's that kind of thing. okay so looking back on this any changes you make to the list oh yeah no i'm definitely i'm Good. dropping Going back to custodians no 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 i i am keeping my promise i am finishing this season with i'm dropping both of my carnivores and the moiraxes so i'm dropping five little knights for five other little knights so I'm going to put in another executioner, so another pair of auto cannons, and I'm putting in four stalkers. The the stalkers are the ones that they have a melee option and a gun option off of the brigand. So they either have a claw or a sword or a melta gun or a gatling cannon. Because of the models I have available to me, and I'm not gonna wait for war dogs to come back in stock because at this point they might as well not i'm adding in three more melted guns and one gatling cannon mm, okay that makes sense um because of that because the moiraxes were more expensive than everything else this actually gives me a whole bunch of points back to get more favors in there so i have one war dog that's going a psyker specifically knowing the the, the feel no pain power and then i'm going to have my executioner that's not already marked with the mirror of fates be um a warpborn stalker so i can naturally deep i can naturally deep strike it and not have to deal with strategic reserves i never know they could do that that sounds pretty gross can they deal with the big robots or is it just the armagers oh the war yeah, dogs no, the this is a one of the favors like the blessing of the dark master and the mirror of fates it's a different points cost if you put it on a bigger knight and it's not as it's fun on a big night because having the idea of having my desecrator show up, pop something, and then instantly be able to also leave the table and come back next turn for free <laughs> is silly. But no, um, I only had the points to put it onto a little war dog, onto a war dog. And since I'm putting on a pair, putting on a set of executioner cannon, if there's a spot, I can literally show up, blow up some infantry, or pop something that it can actually hurt. And then if my opponent doesn't kill it, take it off the table next turn. But now it's there. It can also score me behind enemy lines. Hmm. Interesting. Never thought and, of a knight army swimming behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. It's something that I put a lot of thought in. Overall, I just think it was viable after your five games, six games. Eh, five and a half. <laughs> that last game yeah. was Right, last it's, game. It was the version I had been hemming and hawing over after this because I had already tried almost 30 games with the Moiraxes. Mm -hmm. So this is this was just the inevitable change. Like, this is what I need to change to, and this will probably end up naturally doing me better 
because I'm not terrified of someone walking up and I'm still terrified of people walking up and touching me because I only get four attacks. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know where they've been before they touch me. It's kind of you know kind of rude, but anyway. Um, overall, so okay, so a couple changes to the list. Um, you got to fight the mighty guard, and you know the latest boogeyman in the meta at this point. Are they everything everybody's scared of, or is it just a question of learn fight guard differently? It's the Kasrakin definitely have a mind game on people because of the fact that the concept of oh this 100 point unit gets all the buffs shows up melts half of my army is terrifying for people mm-hmm. but it's not the worst thing in the world it's so when you bring stuff like a whole bunch of Lehman Russes you're playing armored brigade what do you give up on that the ability to hold objectives. So you need guardsmen. Okay, you put the big guns into the Lehman Russes, you put all the little guns into the guardsmen, you have a, you have a counterplay. Um, the banner? The banner is a problem. Because the banner can let you ignore face caps. It can... It's character protected. It's necessary for a secondary. And it it's a whole bunch of BS. It didn't matter for my game against it because of the fact that none of my stuff caps out at wounds. But if something is within range of that unit, it can look at Abaddon and kill him in a single turn. It can look at a Catan. It can look at Thraka. It can look at anyone that's face capped and literally just go, ha ha. Thank you. All right. So like you said, it's still something on your list for next year's another event to go back to for next year. So that's always a good thing. Yep. Potentially depending on how schedule and stuff works out. Sounds good. There are a couple other events this past weekend, so let's uh, dive into those. Uh, we can head to, I believe it's Kansas as our first event, is that correct? Yes, it is, because if we're going to do this alphabetical order, it makes the most sense, right? <laughs> I was just pulling one out of my butt, to be honest with you. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was like, I know we're looking at two tonight. I remember the names. I couldn't remember. I want to say it's the Free State GT, which I believe was in Kansas. Yes. And if the event owner is actually Ringer Ringer, then that's a really funny name. I'm sorry. But yes, the Free State GT, we had placings. I just had it up. So the top five for them, we have Aaron Hermstedt playing chaos knights woo yeah way to go him we have Corey schultz in fourth place playing necrons in third place we have ryan verbeck playing gene Steeler cult wow this is really diverse so far mm-hmm. in second place we have colin k playing black legion and in first place we have a familiar name of dan salmons playing dark yeah there's a huge variety in there and it's not just like by name but just Archetypes. I mean, you got horde armies versus highly specialized elite troops to knigets to, oh my gosh, it's all there. So that's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Although Dan Salmon's list is not very imaginative. It's a whole bunch of Terminators. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the list works quiet. So this, this event did have two undefeateds between Colin and Dan, but Dan just overall had a higher score average because 194, 94, 94, 97, 75, 78, 86, 97, 86. So Colin was finishing with an average score of roughly about, I would say, 88 points. Okay. No, no. It would actually be closer to 84 and a half, whereas Dan was definitely in the lower 90s of an average score of like 93. Hmm. So the overall score was just in Dan's favor because Dark Angels Dark Angels are stubborn. They don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um Bam Bam got to actually come out and play. That's always good to see. How's he doing? Um he went three and two. He was in fact bringing his space wolves. Said like said the wolf wolves. So okay. Yeah. And oh my Oh my gee willikers, he brought 15 wolfen. <laughs> there we go. That's some good stuff. Yeah, 15 wolfen, a whole bunch of sky claws, and then a lot of long thing. And I'm not going to read the note that he has the bo- at the bottom of his battle scribe list, but it is really funny. <laughs> I just find a little bit of humor in your list. How many long fangs does he have? That's a lot. So it's so it's three units. Um, looks like he only had the points for two of them to have the Terminator pack leaders. So the ter- yeah, so Terminator, so an extra Terminator sergeant with Storm Shield and Thunderhammer. So one, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, 
One, four, five, six, one, four, five. So he brought a total of 18 actual shooting long things. Each of them have different loadouts. One has multi-meltas, one has last cannon, all last cannons, a missile launcher, and a melt gun. And then the last unit is just all missile launchers and a melt gun. And he squeezes in cherubs where he can. And then the two cheaper units, so the ones not with meltas, each have the Terminator pack leader edition. Hmm. Okay. But then other, other than that, I think he ended up having just odd points because of the fact that I know adding on the um, Terminator pack leaders costs extra points. I don't think he was able to squeeze that for 23 points. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that either. But okay. But yeah. It, that, extremely diverse top five. Yes. The, and then uh, honorable mention for Scott Sasser in sixth place, Grey Knights. Wow. That might be the one of their hopper performances. So Yeah. And then Astro Militarum and then Loyal Knight, then Iron Hand. Yeah, no, in the top ten there is no repeat armies. Period. Interesting. All right. <laughs> Semi healthy game state. <laughs> it's illusion. Yeah, we're getting there. So we'll get to we'll talk a little about mid table obscurity in a little bit. It kind of reflects a little bit about the uh, yeah, the diversity that you see at the bid tables. Uh, let's keep on the theme of more of the top tables. Uh, we had one more event to talk about. Yep, all the Great Game GT in Westminster. Is that Maryland? Yes, it is. All right, cool. I remember some of my states from elementary school. <laughs> so, in the top five, we have Ryan. So, starting the top five, we have Rainer Artiles or Artiles, I'm sorry. With world eaters, all man, he took at least one skull. <laughs> Going five and one. In fourth place, we have Tiger O'Daniel playing Lees of Votan. In third place, we have Ken Knox playing Iron. In second place, we have Matt Laura. That's a name that I recognize playing Ulthway. And then in first place, we have Daniel Moscato playing. That's extremely. Well, I mean, having a three up involved would be super obnoxious anyway. Um, okay, so yeah, this is Bellicor, a change caster, a fate skimmer, a couple units of blue hoarders, exalted flamer, exalted flamer, three units of normal flamers for a total of four, eight, eleven, a unit of screamers, and then two burning chariots and two soul grinders with marks. Of so yeah, you, you got Bellicor, and yeah, you got Bellicor, and then a couple of Zinch characters. The like, good luck shooting through that, because it's three-up saves, mostly across the board, I think, outside of Bellicor, but he's minus one to hit and minus one to wound, I think. But yeah, no, that's the top five of the um the Great Game GT. Eric? Yes? Sorry, I have the mute on. <laughs> I'm, like, talking away there. <laughs> Professional podcasting at its best. So, let yeah. us... Zip on over to, so we talked about the top table, so let's zip on over to uh, mid-table obscurity. So last week we brought this back. Uh, always a crowd favorite. Not a lot of changes in the following week. Uh, we did add on, actually I shouldn't say we, I, I'm actually getting this from statcheck.com, so I want to give credit where credit's due. And talking about where we get this information, but um, key things here, uh, we're looking at close to t over 2,000 games. And what we do in this particular segment is we look at all the factions and how they performed either going two and three or three and two, basically two to three wins, because that's where about 60% of the players end up. We find out which armies or which factions are the most populous in that particular group. So if you're planning to be in that mid-table obscurity, which armies do I really need to plan for? Because I'm going to see them more often versus some of those armies that are just so good, you're never going to see them because they're all the top tables. And there's some truth to that statement, so we'll get into that right now. Uh, number one is your old favorite there, Robert. Uh, Adeptus Custodes, still the most popular army to be seen at the mid-tables. They make about roughly 8% of the meta, and uh, of the 2,000-some games, they made up 169 uh, games that were played. Uh, moving up the list, though, um, no hobby lag for this army, despite being a new codex. Astro Militarum coming in second. And then what is a big change, though, is um, demons now are tied with Suryani. So Suryani were further down quite a bit from last week. They have jumped up. And uh, in fourth place, coming out of nowhere, uh, Chaos Space Marines, and not world leaders. Good old-fashioned Chaos Space Marines now, making up just uh, about 5.5% of the meta and uh, within the mid-table range. Two armies that still kind of buck the trend a little bit, 
And this is something where you're not going to see this in the uh, MetaWatch uh, articles because they, they're definitely within the Goldilocks zone of a appropriate win rate. But when you break down the histogram that we do here, it looks a little different. So one an example would be uh, Dark Angels, uh, 86 uh, players right now in that range. So just a little bit below 4%, but interesting enough, they uh, about 50% of their games, they'll be in the mid uh, table, but they over 30% of players finish with four or more wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, the I still remember my at Scorched Earth when my game against Dark Angels. That was where I was like, yeah, no, I need at least one more executioner because only deleting 11 terminators was rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you had your run with Gene Stealer Cult. Uh, they're another one where they're still seeing a very high percentage of above uh, the mid-table obscurity, but um, you're not seeing that much. There's still only about 72 games played within the mid-table. So kind of, you know, you may see them there, but uh, not as much. But definitely an army, when we talk about gatekeeper armies, uh, these three come right into there. Uh, Chaos Knights, Imperial Knights, as well as Death Guard. Uh, kind of representative, you know, the uh, Chaos Knights are 104. Imperial Knights, I just lost my spot on my spreadsheet here. Uh, there they are at 81, and Death Guard were at 65. But interesting enough, very solid win percentages, so the world is balanced, right? Uh, not so fast. Uh, less than 12% of players got more than three wins with those factions. So they're real good at the mid tables, but boy, you know, trying to win a GT with those particular factions, not going to happen. Uh, Drukari kind of falls in that realm as well. Uh, not nearly as populous as they were, say, two years ago, but I, something to let the fact of uh, only 10% of all Drukari players got more than uh, three wins. <laughs> so... Uh, interesting to see where the mid-table um, matchups come up. So, and then last but not least, uh, MEQ. So any uh, Marine equivalent still makes up exactly one-third of the total meta within the mid-table. So if you've got a solution for a T4, three-up save, use it. You're going to need it at least twice in a GT-level game. Yep. So very interesting. So... Quick shout out to um, Zach uh, Elgersma got married this past weekend. So, or two, and so congratulations. He's a frequent listener of the show. And uh, you'll hear him there. And I'm just going to take a dig at him. You won't hear him now on the uh, ITC top 10. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he, he's, he's secretly the best player ever. He's just too busy having an awesome life to go and roll dice. In all fairness, he did win uh, Best in Faction uh, two years ago, so I give him credit for that. So, But anyway, uh, looking ahead, actually, um, by the way, I did notice uh, from the Frontline Gaming uh, uh, post about the Rocky Mountain, it is basically best player, uh, best player of that faction uh, wins Best in Faction. They have a chance to win a golden ticket for the uh, WCW in Atlanta. So I was like, oh, that's how they're doing hmm. Well, that's so great to know for me. Yeah. So if you really want to be uh, the super hipster, by the way, uh, play Crimson Fist. <laughs> Nobody's playing Crimson Fist. <laughs> there were three games year to, since Arcs of Omens dropped that somebody's played <laughs> Crimson Fist and finished in the mid-tables. Yeah. The, I think at Rocky Mountain, they ended up lumping most, if not all, of the Marines together. Yeah, they did. But um, oh, that was pretty funny. Three three players. <laughs> Moving on, I see top ten as it uh, as of recording tonight. Uh, in tenth place, Nicholas Willingale starts us off at tenth place. Uh, Martin Cooper in ninth, Hamza Sined uh, in eighth, Kyle Perry in seventh, Robin Roberts of Good Morning America fame who'll be in sixth, Manny Chima, old friend of the show, in fifth place, Stephen Corrales in fourth, Miguel Dura in third, James McKenzie. Uh, your Scorched Earth Open champion has dropped to second place. And your new number one this week is Stephen Crawley with 1,001, 1,041 points. And he is the only player in the... I take that back. Uh, Miguel Dura is second player in the group to actually max out his events. They both have six events already this season. But that went pretty quick. How do you get six events already? Uh, 
don't sleep. Yes. Do not sleep. So there we go. So by the time the next time uh, you hear from us, we'll have all viewed the greatness that is the Adepticon reveal. We'll have hopefully a roadmap of the next few months for Warhammer 40k and unexpected new products. And um, like <laughs> Robert so elegantly put, we'll have something new to complain about. <laughs> well, most people have something new to complain about. I'll have something to read and reteach myself how to play. Yeah. No, I'm actually fairly excited because one thing I am excited about too is the um, some of the lore in the um, Arcs of Omen books. It's actually pretty good, so I'm actually kind of excited to see some of that. Which it kind of some websites kind of give some of it away. Some will say, "Oh, it's a big spoiler. You have to read it for yourself." I'm like, I have to buy these books and read them. Oh man! So <laughs> yes, Eric, you have to read. I have to read. Why I read when I have Warhammer Plus Iron Within? Oh, that was awesome. Jakari looked awesome in that that movie. <laughs> so that looked really cool. I'm still waiting for the Pariah Nexus uh, show to drop. That looked really good as well. They had a trailer for that a few about four weeks ago that popped up in my memories. I was like, oh yeah, when is that show dropping? That that was a really good show as well. But um, hopefully more to come from that. Mm-hmm. All right, Robert, anything else to add before we close things out? No, nope, not for me this week. I'm a very, very tired orc this weekend. I can understand. There was a lot of driving today. So thank you for making the show. Appreciate it. Well, thank you to listeners for checking out the show. Uh, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. Mm-hmm.